This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Good morning, Charged Up Studio listeners. I am so glad to have you here with us. Once again, this is Dana Olivo, your host and CEO of Marketatomy LLC. So have you ever had a great idea that you thought would be a great invention, but you ignored it only to find out later that someone else had the same idea and patented it? How'd you like that make you feel? Our guest today is a passionate innovator, not an inventor, but an innovator with a proven track record for solving complex problems, which is what inventions are. His success has been built on one belief. Before you ever fix a problem, you must first understand that problem from every angle. I love that. His empathetic nature and experience in syndicated data, qualitative and quantitative research makes him a natural hunter for insights. He can take all of the insights and synthesize them to create action. A blend of strategic thinking, my forte, and facilitation helps to drive a a team's engagement and creativity to higher levels developing more meaningful outputs that will drive strategic growth. So let's all give a Charged Up Studio welcome to Matt Mueller. Welcome, Matt. Hey. Hey. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Great to uh, be here with you and to be with your audience. Oh, you're speaking my language here when we start talking strategy and strategic planning and and all of this stuff. You know, it's it's like I just I I can't contain myself when we start getting into that environment you know I've been that way all my life all my life I have been one that has been goal oriented and setting the steps in place to reach those goals you know all of that so I'm interested to talk with you and uh, see how things see how you do things and I did see your video uh, about the book. Oh, yeah, thank oh you. that was yeah. such a great video. But we'll talk about that afterwards. Right mm-hmm. now, I've got a, a very obscure question I want you to answer. This is how I start all of my podcasts. It's kind of to break the gap, break the um, the ice and kind of get us talking. Okay. All right, let's do Are it. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. This one, this one should be right up your alley too. Okay. If humans, if humans came with a warning label, what would yours be? Oh, that's a really good question. You're going to stump me on the first question, Dana. Jeez. I think my warning label would be that um, he's very quiet, but I assure you he's paying attention. <laughs> That'd be bad for your kids. 
<laughs> I know, right? That would be. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I think I say that because like a lot of times I'm very introverted uh, naturally uh, and I'm very observant, like the empathy and really just kind of looking and seeing what's, what's happening out there and trying to kind of follow that insight. And a lot of times my mind is kind of churning and thinking and not necessarily is it always, you know, outputting and communicating. But I'm sure you have bursts of of ideas just flowing out of your mouth sometime. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's it has to so churn that, for a bit that first. Would be, that would be the warning label. <laughs> warning. Yes. Yeah. Be prepared for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Watch out. <laughs> Watch out. What might come out? You know, be careful what you say to him because he can reframe it and he can turn around and oh, you know. Yeah. So that's that's, that's it. the strategy. That's the strategy. <laughs> That's the strategy. And I'm the same way. So, you know, um, don't ask me my opinion because I'll give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so um, I did see your video and I was mm. fascinated. Um, the video that we're talking about is his promotional video for his book, The um, Mindful Innovator. So talk to us first about um, what I want to know is I want to find out, okay, how did you get started in the innovation business to begin with? Oh, it just kind of happened. It was just like, it was, I was working within the corporate uh, organization and uh, I was really just really good about finding the insight and looking at syndicated data, the quantitative piece of it. And we would share those uh, quantitative insights with our retail partners, our sales folks. Uh, but one day that I was just asked to, Hey, do you want to join the innovation team? We have a, we're starting a team. We want insights to be involved with this, and we want to really, you know, do ground everything we do within innovation, within an insight, and then bringing it to action. So that's kind of how I started within the innovation field, and I did that for about seven plus years, um, working specifically within innovation, and it was a, an amazing experience and one that I am so grateful for. And it's probably one you hadn't even thought about. You know, Absolutely when you were not, no. when you were dealing with the data side of things and things like that, you had in the retail spot spot, you never really even thought about it. You know, no, um, absolutely not. It kind of just fell on my lap, which was amazing. Yeah, no. Well, sometimes those are the most <laughs> exciting. You know, really, when you think they about are, it. Yeah, it's a, it took me by surprise and it absolutely became like my love. So I have such a passion for innovation, for strategy and even the insight piece too. it. Just uh, it all just comes, comes together. It, Mm -hmm. Me too. Me too. Okay. So what do you see as some of the challenges in innovation that people overlook or don't see? I think the challenge with innovation is that we don't really understand what it really is. Right. And what I'm saying when I, when I say that is when I first joined the innovation team and started to build a process, I did the one thing. I started thinking about all the things that we could do in my imagination, right? I wasn't speaking it. I was just thinking these, all these ideas. And the first couple of nights to the first couple of maybe even years, it was like, oh man, we need to have a robot and we need to have lasers and we have to have, you know, an app, of course, and digital screens and just all these like high tech, you know, uh, futuristic type of um, things within the experience. It was a lot like Minority Report was like in, in my mind. Uh, and then I was taking in a lot of content, like just with the books that are out there within innovation. There are so many great books, so many different great processes. You can use, mm -hmm. Yeah, design thinking. You can use StageGate, uh, Six Sigma. There's so many different processes we can use. And I think what happens is that we get overwhelmed with taking all of that in, all that content, all yeah. that, like, you know, just your imagination running, all that's coming in at you know, one time. 
And it reminded me a lot of like when I first got my smartphone. And when I got my smartphone, um, I became addicted to it, right? I was looking at my text messages, emails, consuming content, social media pings. My leg was buzzing from my phone, but my phone wouldn't even be in my pocket. That's how much I like was just, you know, overwhelmed and consumed with it. And I felt I was doing the same thing with innovation. I was consumed with it. I was overwhelmed. I was overcomplicating it. With my phone, what I did was I took mindfulness, the mindfulness approach, right? So I started to meditate uh, and just really starting to be right back into the present and in that moment, rather than just always waiting for that next notification. So I applied that to my innovation work. And that became my new practice of, well, let me think mindfully about in, in, uh, innovation. What it comes down to is we complicate it and we are going so fast, right? Innovate or die, fail fast. Um, all these different things that are out there that we forget to actually really see what's happening in the moment. So if you slow down, you're actually able to go faster and more purposely. No, definitely, definitely. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's interesting that you say this because, um, you know, as a strategist, I work with my clients to put together, you know, a, a long-term plan and then also a short-term 12-month, you know, that leads mm -hmm. towards this long-term, you know, as far as that's concerned. And a lot of times what'll happen is there's so many different interruptions to that plan that everybody wants to just jump on top of. And right now, mm -hmm. especially with the economy and what's happening with the economy, that every time my clients come to me and say, okay, we need to do this, you know, or we need to do that or something like that. I tell them, okay, let's take a step back real quick. I said, now let's mm -hmm. look at what the objectives and the goals are, okay, for your plan and do, do these fit in there? Yes, it's new technology. Yes, we need to stay on top of it, but does it need to be done right now? Or can we build it into the strategy and work yeah. towards it? You know, mm -hmm. because if we or try does it just not fit our purpose or our strategy. Yeah. If we try and implement mm -hmm. it right now, what's happening is what you have in the plan is being pushed. You know, yes. and I've had customers that have done this, you know, and I tell them up front, I said, remember, you've got an end goal here. And if we're going to put in this fundraising activity or we're going to do this, that's going to take a good two, three months to do. And it's going to push everything out. So you've got to take a, you've got to make a decision. Is this something you want to do right now? Or is it something we can build in later into the plan? You know, that's a great that's point. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Does, does it fit your vision? Yeah, no, that's exactly mm -hmm. what we need to do. You know, um, uh, and then the other thing is, and talk about this. Okay. How about unclear expectations? Okay. Let's talk oh, yeah. about that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's something that I've dealt with a lot of. And it's, uh, I think the number one thing that you need within business is communication. And for innovation to work, you absolutely need that communication piece. Uh, it, it's just amazing. Like one thing that I always think about is how one word actually killed 300,000 people. And that like, you know, tells you how important communication really is. Yep. What I'm referring to is actually in World War II, uh, makasatsu is a word in the Japanese language that can mean two different things. So one could mean that it's um, I no comment, I have nothing to say, or another one is like just completely lack to even, I don't care, I don't care. So it could be either one of those two things, right? Um, it was said by one of the cabinet members in Japan 
when we gave the warning that we were going to drop the atomic bomb. And when he used the word makasatsu, the US took that as, I don't care, rather than I have no comment, which then caused us to drop a bomb on, on Japan. Wow. So it's just amazing how one word in communication can really just have that kind of an effect. That's the first time I've heard that story. That's amazing. That's amazing. Right, I know, it's yeah. crazy. No, and, and we have it in our English language as well. You know, we have so many of them that are just, you know, um, maybe not the spelling's the same, but the way it's pronounced, you know. Yeah, it, yeah, absolutely. Be careful it's, with that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it could even be in English language with the way that you say it. It could be exactly the same word, but you could say it a different way and it could mean exactly something different. So communication is absolutely an imperative. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's an imperative. And when you talk about it in the business sense or an innovation sense, it really does come down to um, asking the right questions and making sure that you fully understand before you move forward. So what do you really expect to get from this project? You know, at the end of the day, what does success look like? And that's why I mean to talk about mindful innovation. It really comes down to those broader questions that you ask yourself and others and really just kind of think present, present moment, you know, what is really important here? You know, yes. what is my vision at the end of the road? Where would I really want to be in 24 you know, yeah. months from now? And understanding, yeah. you know, just those broad questions will help bring a lot of clarity. Right, right. Now I'm working with a client right now um, and she's growing like crazy, but in the growth process, she needs to raise funding. Okay. Mm -hmm. And she's thinking that she wants investment dollars. And I'm telling her, no, you don't want investment dollars. You know, you've got the profit margins in there that you can go ahead and get a line of credit, you know, or something like that and just pay the interest rate, you know. Um, but, um, yeah. you know, it's like, it's like getting them to take a step back, you know, rather than the urgency mm -hmm. that comes with the need, let's take a step back and let's look at the, both sides of the equation here. So when you're talking about innovation, what is the process that you go through in order to um, innovate or come up with a, a system or a process or something like that? What is your process? Yeah. So I have, I have a three-step process that I have developed over time, and it really came down to just uh, focusing in on those broader questions and thinking about what was innovation like before there was a book that was about there about it? What was innovation like before there was design thinking or a process that we could all follow? Um, and thinking back to one of the first innovations the world has ever had was the wheel. That happened in 3500 BC in ancient Greece. So what I did is I spent a lot of time looking at a ton of different case studies about this wheel and to better understand how do they invent this thing when there was no blueprint of what to follow. And it all comes down to three components. And the first one was that there has to be a problem. So in ancient Greece, they were having an issue with keeping up with the amount of pottery that they need. Um, so clay pots were used for everything from cooking to going to the well, to um, cremating people and putting them in the pots, mm -hmm. everything. And as the population grew, the potters could not keep up with the demand. So they had to think of something that would be creative to actually solve this problem. And that's where the wheel was actually invented. It wasn't a wheel that we actually use for transport, but it was actually for creating pottery. So that wheel that they created out of wood, they uh, connected a stick to it on the, and then they, they shoved that into the ground and they spun the wheel as they were forming the pottery to make it, I think three or four times quicker to make it by that way rather than you know forming it by hand. So it was amazing how they were able to really just figure out what was the real problem and then come up with something creative to solve it. Those are like the two major things that really innovation is all about. If you want to just dumb it down completely, 
what is your problem? How do you solve it? Like, what's the creative way you do it? My God, That's you're like a the start. You're a wealth of historical information. <laughs> In all honesty, you know, it's just amazing. Um, I just well, finished a blog that's going to post the first of the week on um, agile thinking, which is uh, oh, right perfect. in yeah. there with in, with be in innovation and things like that. Because a lot of mm -hmm. my clients are really starting to get into the systems and the processes, which a lot yeah. of companies, a lot of business owners don't understand how to even begin to do that. You know, they know they need yes. to streamline the process. They know they need to to uh, widen their profit margins without having to really raise prices that much. You know, that those kind of things. And the only way they're yeah. going to really be able to do that is through innovation or streamlining their processes. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, it's know, important to make sure that you really do have that path that you're going to follow along the way and then be ready for those pivots as well, because not always... You know, does a creative solve work, right? You have to think about what would the next iteration be if that doesn't work out. No, and a lot of times when that actually happens is um, in the third point of innovation or the third attribute, uh, it comes down to where you have to make sure that you have acceptance of this. And it comes from acceptance from your consumer, acceptance from your team internally, your stakeholders. Everyone needs to have that acceptance. And another ancient Greece story, I'll continue on in the history path. I love it. That this is my favorite. <laughs> a thousand years later. <laughs> I never knew I'd be a history buff, but uh, that a thousand years later, there was a foreman in ancient Greece that wanted to, was building pyramids and building, uh, you know, these temples. And he was getting, you know, big materials from one side of his site to the other. And it was difficult. So his creative solve was to take that potter's wheel and then flip it on its side and create a wheelbarrow out of it. And this thing helped him a lot within his, uh, his sites to get jobs done a lot quicker. He tried selling it. Nobody bought it. It was complete dud when he first tried to uh, sell it. And the reason why was because he was way, priced way too high and people just didn't see the need that much for it until he gave it away to one person. And when he gave it away, uh, they wound up actually saving four days worth of labor on their site uh, all for that one wheelbarrow, which then said, oh, okay, that this is a no brainer. I'm going to save four days of labor for buying one wheel that I can use over and over again. And then that's when they had the acceptance and the wheelbarrow was actually started to, to spread like crazy. Interesting. Interesting. I had a question for you, completely off topic. Okay. I visited mm -hmm. Pompeii, you know, and things like that. And um, I don't know if you have, and you know, on the streets, on the paved mm -hmm. streets in Pompeii, they have these, um, I guess you could barriers that come up out of the road and there's just enough mm. space for wheels to go through at the right space and everything. Uh, why why wow. did they do that? That's that's a process. That's an innovation. Why did that they do that? Yeah. It's so yeah, the chariots yeah. could go through, you know, with the horses and everything and they just go through. But why were the barriers there? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, yeah. It's, it sounds like a very interesting innovation. And I mean, I, I wish I can get into their minds and kind of figure out what was the actual You're problem. You're a historian, so you need, to, you need to figure that out for me. Yeah, I got, I'll get back to you with an answer on that one. <laughs> but it sounds like a really interesting idea, just keeping everybody on the right path. I mean, yeah. Imagine how little accidents we'll have here if we did that on the roads. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. You know, with my company, you know, everything that I have done, because the vision of Marketatomy is to work with small micro business owners, first stage business owners, to help them 
um, succeed. Basically, it's to for them to succeed because most of these business owners go into business with a good product or service, but don't know how to build an infrastructure around that product or service for success. Mm -hmm. So my heart is to bring the education, the accountability, and the resource management to these companies, but they can't afford my mentoring services. Mm -hmm. So that's why I developed the academy, the LMS system, marketatomy.academy. It was designed to get them to a point where they can learn the skills that they need, get to a revenue point to where then they could turn around and hire me as a mentor if they wanted, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. But um, what I find is that um, there's so many people out there that struggle with even the simplest of, of um, uh, tasks or skills that innovation is so far over their heads that we need to bring it down to a level that they can understand, okay? Yeah, How would you work with an early stage business? Talk, talk to innovation as though you're talking to these early stage business owners, the positives yeah, yeah. and the negatives, yeah. Yeah, innovation can be very difficult, like I was saying, where it's just kind of you're overwhelmed and, and you're not sure which direction to really move. And it's hard to like, you know, pick that path. And a lot of times you're going to think, oh, maybe I should go this way or that way. And that happens a lot with innovation. But it just really comes down to being mindful um, and then slowing down. It, there, there's not a rush to get to the end, right? It's a journey for all of us. We have to just take one step at a time and really kind of take it all in, be present. And I don't think about too much of the future because you're living in the moment. But what it comes down to is really understanding what the real problem is. That's where you have to start. That's the base of everything. What yeah. is your actual problem? Now, there's this one owner that um, started a company called Thirsty Dog. And back in the mid-90s or so, he developed this uh, water that would be a lot cleaner, bottled for his, for his puppy. He didn't like the fact that his dog had to drink tap water and because there's chlorine in there, there's some minerals and it's not really healthy for him. And he, he saw this as a really big problem. So he made this company and started to sell thirsty dog water. And the cool thing was, is that he tested like with 40,000 dogs, every single dog loved it. It was like 95% success rate. So it was awesome. He brought that to his retailers. They started buying the water and then the water wasn't leaving the shelf. So he sold it one time and then no one would buy it. So the one thing that he didn't realize was that dogs don't have wallets. They can't afford to purchase water. People have to do that. And the problem is, is that it's not anybody else's problem, but his own. He solved for his problem, his bias. But meanwhile, others were saying, I'm fine with my dog drinking out of the toilet. It's no big deal. Maybe today I'll be a little bit different. So people like really love their animals. And I think that yeah. there actually might be a market for it. So yes. hey, whoever wants to take it, take it. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, it didn't yeah. work in the 90s. Yes, no, definitely. And I love your idea or, or your your um, expertise at storytelling, you know, because that engages people. And I just finished up today a three day challenge on developing that hero's story, you know, mm, um, yes. and it's amazing, you know, uh, when we talk about innovation and we talk about the the motivation behind innovation. Those are the stories yes, yes. that we want to come out. Those are the things Absolutely, like yeah. I am um, uh, a perfect example is um, working with early stage business owners. And prior to COVID, 
All right. A lot of actually it was actually a, a year before COVID kicked in. A lot of working with my clients, I would spend a good four hours early on onboarding them, asking questions, you know, things like that. And the, and the goal was mm -hmm. to get a feel where they were in their business. All right. Mm -hmm. well, four hours is a long time to be going through this process, you know, and things like that. So I said, okay, let me streamline this. And I said, you know, I'm an architectural architect as well. Uh, a, a database architect, I'm sorry, gosh. And um, I said, there's gotta be a better way. So I went ahead and designed a database that would ask these questions, the same questions I would, but I wanted it to go a step further, okay? I wanted it to go ahead and tally up their scores. And so there's a series of about 120 questions. It only takes them about 20 minutes to go through it because they're all yes, no, or don't know, mm -hmm. or what are you talking about? You know, that kind of stuff. Um, but those 120 questions are boiled down into 20 different KPIs, key performance mm -hmm. indicators. Everything from finance to marketing to sales to overall operations, et cetera. And then those... 20 KPIs are boiled down into five critical areas. Okay. okay. Operational strength, marketing strength, sales strength, financial strength, and then overall strength of the company in general and its leadership. So Dennis, is this giving you like an assessment of where the challenges might lie? Where the challenges, where those gaps are in the company. Yeah. Okay. Based on their That's scoring great, right? and everything, I can find out, okay, where are those gaps? because they're all interdependent upon each other. You know, mm -hmm. sales also depends on messaging or marketing. It also depends on, um, you know, uh, the product. It also depends on pricing, you know, all of mm -hmm. that. They're all interdependent. And that's what this assessment is designed to do is to give me an idea of where the, the gaps are within their organization. Awesome. That way I can turn around and start targeting and pushing them towards the areas that they need help with, you know? Yeah. That so makes, that makes a lot of sense. That's an awesome tool. I'm curious to know, like what, what's like the, uh, is there a common attribute that is usually the challenge? No, the, the common attribute is the fact that um, because they are interchangeable, people will try, entrepreneurs try and blame a lot of the issues that they have on their sales team or their marketing exactly. team. When in actuality, mm -hmm. it might be their product is obsolete or their pricing yeah. is out of line, or you know they're 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 so hung up on the product or service offering that they're not taking mm -hmm. into consideration that the market might have changed. You Absolutely, know? that's very important to keep your eye on on the market. Yeah. Has it changed? Do you have it right in the first place? Like I did a little time with uh, user experience, yeah. And, you know, looking at programs, and a lot of times, like oh, the program, um, the the person doesn't know how to use this. And yeah. it's never that. It's never yeah. the person. It's always the program. You're yeah. not making it intuitive. So is your yeah. product or service yeah. intuitive that it, people get it right away? Right. No, that's absolutely right. You know, so mm -hmm. so by when you talk about innovation, that's what we're talking about. You see a problem. OK, mm -hmm. and then you come up with a solution to that problem. Yes. And then yep, you got to start with the real problem too, right? It comes down yeah, to not just any problem, exactly. not your problem, but the real problem. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then that creative and, solve. Yes. Yeah. 
as a strategist, I have five stages that a new business, that a business goes through in the growth process. You've got, you've got the see it phase, which is the napkin phase. That's when you come up with the idea. Okay. I love that. That's a great terminology for it. Yeah. Then you have the fun, the um, prove it stage. Okay. That's where you go out to the market. You check and make sure people want this, that they're willing to pay the price that you need to get out of it. And that the competition that's out there is not going to be able to outsell you. You know, Mm -hmm. you want to be able to bring a value added benefit that the other people aren't. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then you move on to the uh, build it stage. Okay, that is where your business model comes to life. That's where the processes, the systems, you know, everything is implemented in that build it phase. All right. Mm. Once you've got your business model solidified, you're bringing revenue in, then you move into the fund it phase. Mm -hmm. Because of the fact that you're ready to expand and 10x your company in the growth phase. You know, so I, I love that. Yeah, I love the five stages. Those really do define the big like milestones within any right. project. Uh, yeah, right. you need to make sure that you have each one of those locked before you move forward. Uh, really smart. Um, yep. The one that kind of interests me the most is the build it phase because that one there, um, that's where agile really has to come into play. Exactly. Because you just never know. You just never. You might build it and you got it wrong. Now yep. what are you going to do? Right. So it's a matter of that pivot. A lot of times in innovation, we'll continue to um, like slap band-aids on, on something that we build or kind of force fit it and say, you know what? No, it's good. It's good. It's good. And then next thing you know, you flop. So really it's a matter of that, uh, being really agile and being able to pivot and go to another direction and say, Hey, this is what we saw when we built it. And Mm -hmm. this is how we can now go this direction and solve for that problem and make it even better. And being able to kind of realize those, um, issues Mm -hmm. and not be biased with your product is extremely important. That well, bias and, is really one of the biggest issues. Exactly. And and also in the build it phase, like you said, you might band-aid some things, you know, you may mm-hmm. kind of, but you realize, okay, I do have to really come up with a plan that's going to streamline this, but you don't have the funding for it. So you may do a temporary fix and then move into phase yes. four and five, you know, to get the funding for it. It's easier to get that funding when you have a plan in place. Yes. And then you can move into the fifth phase, which is the growth phase, which is you can implement that that innovation or that system or that methodology that's going to pay off what mm-hmm. uh, what you bought, you know, what you borrowed from. Yeah. You know, so so, yeah, the, the business model phase, which is phase three and the growth phase, which is phase five, are the areas that you're going to see um, the most work done in. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It's, so. it's like your testing phases, right? So it's like the other ones are more like, hey, let's think strategically about it. Now let's go test and learn. And, and just remember that, you know, that that it is a testing phase when you're first starting out but until you really hit the ground running and, and able to, to ramp up. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, reading through your, your bio and everything, you talked about the dreaded tangent. What do you mean by the dreaded tangents? <laughs> the dreaded tangents. Yeah, so that really comes down to that communication piece. So a lot of projects that you will start on, hey, this is what we want to do. Um, And then all of a sudden, 
you know, three weeks goes by, you're working on that project and you might have a key stakeholder that you're talking to and they forgot exactly what you were doing, why you were doing it. And they all of a sudden have this tangent of, hey, well, what if we just did, you know, B instead? And now all of a sudden you're on this tangent. Now you have to start over from the beginning. So mm -hmm. if you are clear in your communication and you set the groundwork up front and say, hey, this is what we're going to build. This is why we're building it. And this is what we want to learn. And really think broadly, mindfully about what you're testing. Yeah. And then communicate that, uh, make sure everyone understands it. And then to re-communicate because people yeah. forget. There's a lot going on in the world, especially when you're talking to, you know, head honchos that have, you know, 15, 20 projects going on. They're not going to remember the one project that you're working on um, or that one idea. So it comes down to when you start a meeting out uh, with somebody that you haven't seen in a couple of weeks. Hey, I wanted to talk to you about the projects we started working on. Remember, this is what we were doing. This is why we were doing it. And this is what we are looking to accomplish to ground everybody back where you are, you know, what you're working on. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to open yourself up to tangents. And if you say it enough, when a tangent does come up, you can then now point to, hey, remember what we were talking about. This is why we were doing it. This is what we wanted to accomplish and really just get back on that track. And sometimes yeah. tangents you'll have to focus, you have to work on. And sometimes you just need to take a tangent because it's the right thing to do. But it's just making sure that you learned what you learned, needed to learn before you do it. Yes. The next thing you know, you have 15 tangents and then you're, you're buried under tangents. Right, right. That's not good for anybody. No. You also talk about the three Ps of mindful innovations. What are yes. those three Ps? Oh, man, that's like so important for every single um, for every single project that you work on. You have to base everything within mindfulness. Uh, the first one is really to understand that purpose, right? You have to understand exactly what you're looking to accomplish and why you want to accomplish that. Uh, I refer to Simon Sinek a lot, but the book Start With Why is an Simon absolutely Sinek. a game changer, right? Yeah. It's a great book. Love, love Simon not, Sinek, yeah. Yeah, same here. And it's just, it, 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 I say it all the time to myself. It's, you know, it's not what we do. It's, it's why we do what we do. And that's your purpose. You have to start with that. Mm -hmm. um, from the purpose that it comes down to being present. And that's again, talking about that being mindful piece of it, mm -hmm. where you want to make sure that you're really taking in everything within the moment and you understand exactly what you're seeing and making sure that you stay clear to that purpose, right? So right. being present, you can then ask yourself, okay, that tangent, does that fit our purpose? And if it doesn't, then you can deflect it, right? So it comes down to making sure that you, you also have that presence. And it comes down to even like when you're testing something out in the field, yeah. you might think this is the best thing since sliced bread, but be present with your consumer, talk to them, ask them questions. Do they really see the value within that? Um, so that's really important. Mm -hmm. And the third P is really about making sure that you include everybody uh, within the process, right? So it really is about you know process and making sure that everybody is included within that. And that's really the important thing. It's like, you wanna make sure you have collaboration, right? So one idea in your head might not actually translate to anybody else but when you start getting everybody involved that's really where um it all comes together and you get that collaboration and it becomes everybody's idea we're coming up on the end of another podcast here tell our viewers about your book a little bit and where they can find it when it's going to drop etc okay 
Yeah, great. Thank you for the opportunity to do that. Uh, my book, The Mindful Innovator, is right now just in the editing phase. It's coming out in November, but pre-sale will start um, really soon here in the middle of July. So look out for that. Uh, you can go to Indiegogo and search out Matt Muller, The Mindful Innovator, uh, and I'll provide a link on any social that this goes on to, too, so it'll be nice and easy. Um, and the book is really about mindful innovation, right? It's about those three principles that I shared about the problem, the creative solve, solve, and the acceptance of innovation. And I go into a lot more stories, some of that you heard today, like Thirsty Dog and the Wheel, uh, and just trying to really bring um, everything back to really just slow down. This way you can move you know, faster and more purposefully to create more uh, more innovation, better innovation, something that's actually going to stick. Excellent, excellent. Um, go ahead and tell our viewers how they can get a hold of you, or you know, you know, what are your yeah. what's your contact information? Yep, you can reach me at um, at Matt at Matt Muller on uh, LinkedIn. You can also reach me on uh, my website, themindfulinnovator.co. And um, yeah, please feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to continue the conversation with your audience and. Uh, it was great to be able to be here with you today. Thank you for everything that you do, helping out small businesses. It's going to be a really big challenge. I know that the, oh, uh, yeah. the feats that are in front of everybody. So uh, yeah, we need yeah. more coaches like you for sure, Dennis. So thank you. <laughs> so that's it, guys. I want to thank you all for joining us today. Make sure to re leave a review on whatever podcast delivery platform you're on today or go to Charged Up Studios Facebook page or Google page um, to leave a review. If you want to learn more about different topics associated with growing a successful business, visit our online learning platform, marketatomy.academy. I look forward to talking with you again next week for another exciting episode where small businesses get charged up for success. Thank you once again, Matt. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.